when you have so many unknowns, it just feels super overwhelming. And, you know, I'm just thinking of an example of like trying to find whether it's going to be a lawyer or a mediator and like, how do you find the right match? What questions should I ask? And, you know, like I, I was able to get all those resources, so I didn't have to come up with them on my own. Will you outlast your money? Do you stay awake at night worrying about providing for your family? Are you making the right decisions about your investments? There are many life-changing decisions that arise and questions you want answered when going through divorce or after you've received your settlement. This is the Financially Ever After podcast, where you'll hear stories of women like you and get advice from the industry's top professionals. Here's your award-winning and nationally recognized host, Stacey Francis. Welcome to Financially Ever After. I am your host, Stacey Francis, and today we're going to be speaking with Andrea Boulanger. Andrea is so kind to share her entire journey through her marriage, decision to get divorced, and what her life looks like afterwards. And she describes herself as happily divorced. She gives us hope and she gives, most importantly, tools and resources that can be helpful to any woman who's thinking about or going through the divorce process. Andrea is a university administrator with a really big job that requires a lot of mental thinking and capacity. And as the breadwinner of her family, she also explains that she was the primary caretaker of her son. Her son is an amazing 11-year-old boy with special needs. And with autism, needing more energy, more understanding, and a whole lot more time through not only one-on-one, but the many appointments and the many different assessments to make sure that he got the support and the care that he needs. She balanced this all and shared how she came to her decision that divorce was best for her and her son. Andrea also shares how she was able to finally gain the confidence to move forward with a divorce while being absolutely overwhelmed and juggling so many balls in the air, being a breadwinner as well as a caretaker. And I ask you to stay to the end because Andrea gives tips about how she balanced it all, how she was able to deal with the stress of all of this. And she will share the important lessons that she learned that will help you navigate the divorce process. So without further ado, please help me welcome our wonderful guest, Andrea Boulanger. Andrea, it's great to have you here. And I'm so excited to to talk to you. I'd love for you, if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit about your journey, you know, where you are in the divorce process and how things have been for you. Yeah, I'd love to just kind of kick that off. And thank you for for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. So I was married for 13 years with one child, a special needs child. In the marriage, I was the breadwinner. I would also say I was the primary caregiver for the most part. And so I would say uh, maybe 
maybe about four years into the relationship, I realized things were starting to head down, not a great path, but it took a very long time to actually come to terms with what life on the other side of that marriage could look like. So it's been almost two years since I've been divorced and it's going actually very well for me. I'm, I now call myself happily divorced when I'm telling somebody for the first time, like, yeah, actually I'm divorced. And I usually get the, Oh, and then, then I say, no, I'm actually, I'm happily divorced with our son. We have 50, 50 custody. And it's interesting because what studies have shown is that women who are breadwinners often are doing as much at home and even sometimes more, the bigger the income disparity between the two partners, the more she does, which I will be honest, it's just like mind-blowing, makes no sense to me. But then you layer on top of that a special needs child, which obviously needs more time, more attention, more energy. And I would also say, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but patience, you know, to really be there. Was that a factor in when, you know, thinking about, okay, this is just, this marriage is not really serving my needs and what I had hoped for myself. Yeah. I, I definitely would agree that that was, that's a piece of it. You know, like I mentioned that I was also probably the primary caregiver of just, just having to coordinate all of the, I was also the insurance provider too. So I was coordinating all of the appointments and different things. And then I feel like earlier in the marriage, things were much more equal. Actually, when we first met, we had the same salary and then he had a career change like, and it, that kind of kicked off right as we got married. And that really shifted how things, he went into a trade. And so according to him, that was very physically taxing, but there was kind of a, not an understanding of my job being very mentally taxing. I supervise a lot of people and I'm in charge of a lot of things. And so I was never made to feel that like that actually counted for anything. So I did end up taking on a lot more of the the things at home because of that. You know, something that I think a lot of women can identify with, Andrea, is that you're so tapped out, right? You're so tapped out with work. You're so tapped out with like caretaking, like having the energy to start a divorce process or a process of, of splitting. We hear from some women almost like, why did you put it off. And it was almost like, well, it was, I'm just too busy to get divorced. And did you find yourself thinking about possibly getting divorced and not moving forward just because so many other balls were in the air and just like that, like overwhelming with just day to day? Oh, totally. (laughs) You hit the nail on the head. During the time when our marriage was really not doing well, I also had a lot going on at work. We were restructuring. We were without a leader for about three years and I had to take on some of that. And so I, just for survival sake, I had to compartmentalize my life. So I had that going on at work where I really needed to focus in. And because I was the breadwinner, I couldn't just leave. And, you know, I did try to look for other positions, but they didn't pay enough. And then also around that time is when we were trying to figure out what was going on with my son. You know, there was behavior issues that we just couldn't quite figure out just trying to figure out what that meant. And so it was around that time when we found out he had an autism diagnosis. And so, yeah, just, I had to compartmentalize. And so that meant the marriage not doing well, had to just take third seat, I guess, with the other things going on in my life. It was just, it would be too overwhelming. Like I just, I couldn't do all those things at the same time. 
When you are going through a divorce, would you say that it's any different when you have a child with special needs with autism and, and any you know recommendation? Because there are so many women that have special needs children that are going through divorce. I mean, if you look at the divorce rate, it's much higher. I think it's the statistic I read, it was 80% of marriages with special needs children end up in divorce. And I'll share, we, we have my son and I'm very open about this. And he was very open about this too. He has ADHD and sensory processing deficit disorder, which is obviously different than autism, but it was really freaking hard on my marriage. I mean, it was just, it was really hard and a lot of couples therapy, a lot of, and so knock on wood, we made it, but like living it, I see how hard it is that if you're not on the same page and you're not both fully equally helping to raise this child and be there, I don't know how you, you would do it. And there are so many issues too, to think about with divorce, because these children tend to be more sensitive to change. They tend to just really be much more of sponges around what their environment looks like. How did you deal with that? Yeah. A big piece of the conflict in our marriage was that we weren't on the same page about how to, like when we, all the behavioral issues started to come to light as in, you know, the behavior issues for some special needs kids, they can kind of look like, well, that's kind of what kids at that age do. Like they have meltdowns or they have things. When it started to become more apparent of like, he should be past that. There was a lot of disagreement about how to figure it out. I'm a researcher. When I don't know something, I just dive into the information. And so, you know, I started looking into it and like, well, we should get an assessment. And and so just kind of like the time my ex didn't didn't think it was autism, something else probably. And so I just think, let's just figure it out. Leave no stone unturned. And so there was just a lot of disagreement around that, that lengthened that process of trying to figure out what was going on. It's ongoing, you know, I'm co-parenting now. And we still, there's a lot of things that we don't quite agree. I I think my ex, I think he's a good dad. I just think that there's just times when, when we don't agree on things. It's hard to, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, a family member might be diagnosed with a disease and there are different ways to go about it. And it's really hard. And it's also, I mean, I'll just say personally, and I don't want to say that this is what happened with, with your ex, but it's hard to admit that your child is not perfect. It's hard and scary and it's worrying in so many ways. And, and I know going through that process was hard. Knowing the needs of your, you know, your son, how did you kind of bring him through the divorce process to try and keep him? I don't know if I want to use the word protected because I don't know if that's really the right word, but just answering to his needs as much as, as you could. Yeah. So when I first asked my ex for the divorce, or I shouldn't say asked, I said I wanted a divorce. There was still about six months left of the school year. And my son at the time was just having a really hard time just with school in general. And we just decided that, you know what, we're not going to tell him until after school's out. I also had a a living situation where the place I wanted to move wasn't actually going to be available for that six months anyway. So we just decided to do that. I set him up with a therapist before we told him just so that he could build rapport with that person. So that when we told him, you know, he'd have that person that he could talk to while, you know, while during that six months, 
I just tried to like figure out what are the things I could do when that transition came of me moving out to like minimize the big transition issues. And so I did a lot of reading. I talked to a former therapist that he had gone to that specializes in autism. And it was kind of like, you know, learning about keeping things very similar from house to house and having similar type of rules went so far as like my dad built a dresser that was almost identical to the dresser that he had at his dad's house. So that way he didn't have to think about where his certain shirts were going to be that like it would, so just a lot of familiarity. And so while I was in the house, even before I asked for the divorce, my ex and I didn't communicate a whole lot. And so I don't know if there was actually like, we didn't, and we also didn't fight. So I think if my son picked up on anything, he picked up on kind of like nonverbals and, and tone of voice and that kind of thing. And so when I moved out, I thought the transition would have actually really affected him in a really negative way. And what I found was that maybe it's because I was a lot happier. He was a lot happier. He really enjoyed coming to my apartment. I only live two miles away from his dad, but I live in a like a brand new five-story apartment. And it's very different than the house that his dad lives in. So it's almost like he had this country mouse, city mouse kind of thing. And it was new and he enjoyed it. And so I actually was surprised. I thought the transition would have been really hard on him and maybe he would have acted out. But I think he does feed off of me and my emotions and that kind of thing. And so he saw me being happy. I mean, what you share is like so on point for everything. And so many times we as moms don't, leave because we don't know how it's going to impact our kids. And we don't want to, obviously we don't want to have our kids go through something that's difficult, but it's so interesting. So everything is okay, but our house flooded. And so we've been living in a hotel now for about three weeks with our children. And let me just say the first week I was not dealing so well with it, Andrea. I really was not. And it was shocking the, how stressed they were because I was not dealing with it because I just didn't have the the tools yet. And now we're totally on track. We know where we're going to be living. We've got the construction crew to fix everything. And I'm feeling really good. I've been giggling and laughing and they're totally fine now. You know? <laughs> so it's totally amazing. And so, so much of it is you as mom being happy and if you're not happy where you're in your marriage, they can feel it, you know, they can feel it. So something you said, Andrea, which I thought was really interesting is that you talked about being a researcher and being a researcher, not only for your, your son, but did that help you get more comfortable with your decision to start the divorce process of kind of like researching, okay, what do I need to know? How should I prepare things like that? And if so, like, what did you do? So during this time, I, or during the time that I was considering divorce, I decided to pick up running. Like I'd never been a runner. That was like my therapy in a way is just to get out. And so I took like a couch to 5k kind of class. And so that meant I was out and about. And I, my thing, I love podcasts. So I listened, like, I just did a search for divorce <laughs> and I found like every podcast related to divorce. So I just listened to like all these different kinds of episodes on all these different topics. And that led me to taking like a pre-divorce class with Lisa Caldwell. And so it was like a a virtual course. And I think a lot of the women were actually out on the East Coast. And so I'm in the Midwest. And so it was just interesting to hear kind of like 
there's different laws in different states and everything. And so based on that, I there's a lot of information that I think I was just really scared about, but especially financial. And so I the biggest financial worries I had being the breadwinner was that like, oh, how much is child support going to be? And then if maintenance or alimony was going to be in the picture, I don't know how I would have figured that all out. I have really robust retirement. I was worried about losing that. And at the time, just even thinking like, I thought I wanted to keep the house. Mm -hmm. I love that house. So like, I just kind of dug into a lot of podcasts, taking the class and then, you know, reading a lot of articles. And then even after the divorce, I found like a post-divorce class that actually was in person in the town I live in. So I was in that for a few months and that like gave me even more kind of like coming on the other side of it of just like how to live life as a divorced person and, you know, really kind of like figuring out who I was before. Because that was my idea was that I did not want to start dating until I like really was at peace with a lot of things. And so, yeah, so I, I like information <laughs> helps me to make decisions. I feel like information I'm part of your tribe. I'm so part of your tribe that for me, the thing that gives me the most comfort when I'm making a decision is like having as much information as I can. And one of the pieces that really shows whether or not someone comes out of divorce successfully. And I know I hate to say successfully because that doesn't sound, sounds like you're winning a race or something. But what I mean is someone who's confident in their decision to get a divorce, confident in the settlement that they are going to be okay financially and, you know, as whole as possible, it's doing the work and it's the research and it's, you know, learning, it's learning. And, you know, hopefully over time, building that confidence, do you feel like it helped you build your confidence too? Oh, most definitely. When you have so many unknowns, it just feels super overwhelming. And, you know, I'm just thinking of an example of like trying to find whether it's going to be a lawyer or a mediator and like, how do you find the right match? What questions should I ask? And, you know, like I, I was able to get all those resources, so I didn't have to come up with them on my own. So yeah, yeah. So confidence. Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, you know, doing research on the internet and getting a list of what question to ask a lawyer or mediator. And then when you go in for that meeting, you have your your tools, right? And it can be very intimidating. How many times in your life have you interviewed a, a divorce attorney? Probably not that many, right? <laughs> so it's kind of like, what am I even supposed to be doing here? You know? And so that can be really powerful. Well, I know we're coming up to time, but any last minute pieces of advice, you know, like what you would tell your girlfriend who was just thinking about a divorce who you reached out to and, you know, you were catching up what piece of advice would you share with her? Probably a few things. One thing kind of alluded to earlier was I really wanted to keep the house. Mm -hmm. And after, actually after taking Lisa's class, there was a section on that. And it made me look at the house very different. You know, I was living there still. And I would just kind of look around and just think like, if something broke, I'm very thrifty with my money. Do I want to spend a bunch of money on a roof? Or would I rather like, save up my money and go on a vacation. And so I kind of eventually came to peace with walking away from the house. And I think that was one of the best things I could do. Still, I'm still renting a couple of years later, but that just kind of gives me freedom to like really figure out what I want. Um, I think yeah. it was 
I have a lot of friends who kind of jumped on the, like, they just felt like they had to go buy something. So they went and got a condo or something like that. But then you're kind of, that's a very permanent decision for a lot of people. That's probably my biggest piece of advice. I know people get really, they cling to their, their houses and the comfort and kind of thinking about their kids and like, you know, mixing things up too much for their life. But, you know, you get to go to that next place and make it your own. And I put a lot of time and energy into like figuring out how I was going to decorate that apartment. And it helped me, you know, to kind of envision my future. Yeah. I so appreciate you sharing that because the biggest asset that most people have is their home. And often we want to stay there. And sometimes it's the right decision, but sometimes it's not. And it can, you know, financially drain you. And something that, you know, you really love this home can actually hurt you. Right. And you don't, you don't think about that. And I'll be honest, like, I don't know how to fix the toilet. I don't, (laughs) I'm like the least handy person. And so that actually, I live in a New York city apartment and it's so nice because something's wrong. You just call down to the maintenance person and they're up in the next hour. And I have to tell you, Andrea, that's so nice. That's so nice. I I agree. (laughs) Versus like, oh my gosh, what's going on? But well, I can't thank you enough for being here. And for everyone listening, I know that Andrea has mentioned a few times Lisa Caldwell and her company SAS. They have great group coaching and individual classes as well for individuals going through the divorce process as well as afterwards. And it's a lot of like relationship skills, how to co-parent, how to get through the process, how to understand the finances, the legal side and all of that. So it's a really good resource that we'll also put in the show notes so that everybody has that as well. So yeah, well, thank you so much, Andrea. And thank you for everyone tuning into Financially Ever After. I really enjoyed speaking to Andrea and was awe-inspired by her strength and her dedication to do what was best for her son, which really was best for her. And while she had many worries and fears, she was able to research and use resources, podcasts, articles, support groups to get the information she needed to move forward with confidence and to be able to make good decisions. And I want to go back to how Andrea describes herself. She describes herself as happily divorced. And that's what I wish for you too. You may not feel that way today or tomorrow, but Andrea shows that there is hope and that there is life after marriage and that you too can be truly happy, truly happy. So if you have any dear friends that are thinking about the divorce process or you yourself, please share this podcast with them. And if they have any concerns about their finances, as most women do, please feel free to reach out. Because financial fears are typically the number one reason women hold back from moving on, even though they know it's the right thing to do. I'd love to be a resource, to be a sounding board, to help you get more information, to make sure that you make good decisions and that you have as much detail as you can about your finances 
so that you are financially secure, not only short-term, but also long-term. So thank you for joining in. We'll be seeing you at Financially Ever After in two weeks.